Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I am your host, Hanan Elbasha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough, I am worthy, I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode. This is Hanan Basha, your host. So today's empowered lady is a dear friend of mine, and it was one of those serendipity, serendipity moments <laughs> where we just um, met. She was doing some research for her business, and as I was just uh, talking to her before the episode, we're like, you're supposed to meet for an intro kind of coffee for 15 minutes and ended up doing like a two-hour session. And since then, I think every time we talk, we just can't stop talking because we click on so many levels. Sheikha, welcome to the episode. Thank you, Hanan. So happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. So just to give you an intro, um, Sheikha Thani is a third culture kid. She's um, lived in Switzerland, Spain, UK, USA, and Qatar. She is an innovation strategist, which is really interesting because she works with arts and cultural organizations to design innovation strategies that drive cultural relevance and growth. So she's done a bit of studying there, but she's done a lot of applications besides that. Aside from her job, Sheikha is an entrepreneur and an advocate for self-healing. And I think these are two of the things, two of the areas that um, made us click on so many levels. She's committed to providing um, and holding space for women to foster self-discovery healing, connection, growth, and radical self-love. Sheikha, now, um, I know that, you know, we spoke a bit before the episode and we've been speaking before that, but um, when I sent you and told you, Sheikha, I want to interview you on my podcast, and the show is called Empowered to Grow. What came to your mind then when you heard this phrase? Well, first of all, I was really happy that you were doing a podcast. So I had a little dance in my room about that. Um, I think, <laughs> I think um, when I think of empowered, um, I mean, I, the, the definition is in the word itself. It's power, right? It's being able to stand in your own power to fully see yourself, to be able then to live the life that you want. And, and sort of when you, when you start doing that, it radiates to other people. True, very true. So in, in that sense, you, you think of it as a source, kind of, as kind of a, an energy source that if you tap into, you can actually resonate and, and kind of, well, radiate it to others. Exactly. It's, a, it's definitely a source. It's definitely something that I feel like um, lives inside you. I think it lives inside of everyone. It's just one of those things that for a lot of us, it's, it's hidden under a lot of layers, and we have to peel back those layers and get to it. But I think once we get to it, once we clear all these, the spaces that are occupied with everything, we usually get to that source of power. Um, and I think that's what helps us as people, individuals, stand on our own two feet and gives us the power not only to be able to see the world in the way that we want, but also live the world, live in the life that we want in the world. That's amazing. I love that. So um, speaking of which, you empowered yourself to grow in your own unique way. 
uh, would you share with us a little bit about how you came about that? Gosh, how much time do you have? <laughs> I have all the time we need. <laughs> um, well, I guess for me, um, I, I've never, I never felt like I was someone that was empowered. Um, I, I grew up obviously feeling very independent. And with that, I had this sense of power, but I think it was a very false sense of power. And I just remember, I think it was about two, three years ago where I sort of started feeling this itch inside me where it was like, I, I don't feel like I'm living the life that I want. I don't feel like I'm feeling as fulfilled. Um, there was just, I kept noticing patterns in, in the things that I was doing that weren't really giving me um, what I really needed out of life, out of the relationships, out of the choices that I was making. And I just sort of almost had enough. Mm -hmm. And it actually started with my physical body, um, where I was like, my shoulders and my neck were always tight, were always pulled, there was always some issue with it. And I sort of, and, and I had knee problems. And I was, I was only 30 at the time, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And I, I decided, you know what, let me just start there. Sure. And so I, I remember just taking a Pilates class, because mm -hmm. I was like, I'll just start there. <laughs> and I mean, I had, it was one-on-one -on -one sessions. And I remember having this instructor who, looking at her, you could not tell, but she was a beast. And yeah. she... <laughs> I know those. <laughs> I have had a few of those coaches. <laughs> no, I mean, she whipped me into shape and I grew two inches out of it because my body was so compressed. But interestingly enough and funnily enough, she was the one that snowballed all the other healing that came through. Uh -huh. Because I just remember the first day she looked at me, she was like, no, 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 you need to go see a manual therapist right now. And uh -huh. she goes and sends me to her doctor. And I go and see this therapist. And the therapist said something to me that blew my mind away. And they were just like, you should be feeling good in your body. This, this isn't normal. And I was just, at that time, it was so radical. And I was like, oh, my God. And they were just, they, they were looking at me and they were working it on me and they were saying, you know, a lot of this is just stored up tension and stored up emotions and stored up trauma in your body. And we can do what we can physically, but you have to also look at it emotionally and heal yourself. And so that's when I decided um, that I was going to go to therapy. And I had dabbled with therapy before in my 20s and it just never worked for me. Um, I, I did not like it. And so I was very against it. I was sort of allergic to it now. And I was like, I don't want to go. I, don't, I didn't do anything for me. I wasn't going to, you know, nothing was going to come out of it. And I actually went through two or three therapists until I found one that actually worked for me. And that's when it made me realize and click that, you know, I have a healing language too, you know, and I, there's, there's a certain person that I need to be with in order to be able to heal. And that person was someone that could engage with me, that could respond to the things that I was saying, give feedback, conversate, where all the past therapists that I had went to was sort of like this one-way street where, you know, they would sit quiet and expect me to speak. I never speak in that. And so it was always like a, a quiet 45-minute session, which was a way. But with this therapist, I mean... It, they, she would say the simplest things to me 
and it would blow my mind. Like mm -hmm. simple things like, why not? And I was yeah. like, because, because I have to, what do you mean? Why not? Like, I, I just have to, this is what I know. And, and she helped me realize that I was sort of living this life in, in a pattern, in this program in believing that I had to live life in a certain way because that's what I was taught. That's yeah. what I was taught growing up, whether it's through my family, through school, through friends, I was taught in this way to grow up in, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And you know, she made me realize too that one thing that I was doing was I was I was doing everything in my power to make myself invisible. And I was doing that through being a perfectionist and through being misindependent. Because by being a perfectionist, I do everything right. I follow the rules to the T. No one can, no one will raise their voice at me. No one will notice me. It's always just like, oh, look at Sheikha. She's doing such a good job. We don't have to look at her. We don't have to take care of her. She knows what she's doing. She's great. And me thinking that's me trying to get love was actually me pushing myself down and making myself even more invisible. And then the other part of it was me being so independent was it was sort of this trauma response where one, I didn't feel like I could depend on people, but also by being independent, I didn't allow myself to open up my heart to accept help from other people. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to do that because I just, the root cause of all of this was I didn't feel like I was deserving enough yeah. to take up the space of being a human being in this planet. And so I just remember I, I you know, when I was, when I was, it hit this wall of, I really need to make a change in my life. I, I started realizing this pattern with like my friendships too, where I, you know, I'd make friends and yeah. I would instantly go into this role of therapist to them, caretaker, the one that is always there, the dependable one. And it was never reciprocated. And whenever I wanted that back, you know, I, I never got it and I never realized why. And so all of my friendships throughout my whole adult life would always die down because I always ended up resenting them. And I didn't realize that I was playing these two roles where one, I was wanting them to love me, wanting them to comfort me, wanting them to, to reach out to me, but making myself invisible, if that makes sense. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, where oh, I never actually talked about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, so, and so in doing that, it sort of made me the strong one. And I was always the strong one my whole life. Yeah. And there's, it's, it's weird being the strong one because I was someone that was fighting these polar opposites where I wanted to be strong because I was making myself invisible. But, but it's always... But at the same time, it's like, you know, the strong one is the person that's always invisible because it's the strong one that no one ever checks up on. That's the strong one that no one ever sees if they're okay because they're so strong. Why should they, what, why should we check up on them? And so it's also because you took on the role of a nurturer. And when, when you become the nurturer, then you are implying that I don't need to be nurtured. So I don't want anyone to take care of me. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, kind of don't pay attention to me. I'm going to pay attention to you. I'm going to take care of you. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I realized that I instantly took on that role because that was the only personality that I knew. I did not know anything else. Mm -hmm. I thought that if I did not play that role, then I would be unlovable and I had nothing else to offer anyone. Mm -hmm. And no one would want to be my friend as just Sheikha. 
And so, and I still struggle with that. I still sometimes, you know, fall into that role. Mm -hmm. And it is something that I enjoy, but it's also something that I need to build up boundaries around. And so that was another thing that I I learned um, through my exploration is, is boundaries. And oh my goodness, was that a new thing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no boundaries my whole life. No, been there, done that, still doing it. <laughs> I know. And, and, and I feel like, you know, with COVID, I've lost all my boundaries. And so now I'm reworking all of that again. And it's just such a, it's such hard work and it's such an uphill battle. Um, but actually think of it this way, that yet again, you know, with, with what happened, these were unprecedented times. And thus, you also needed to give yourself the chance to kind of react on so many levels to it. Um, and then now, but it's not uphill battle anymore because you kind of already know what to do. So you're not starting from, from down below at the end of the hill, you know. Um, you're, you're halfway there. So you know, okay, you slipped back a few steps, uh, went down a few meters, but you can definitely go back up again and it's going to be much easier for you now because you've practiced this before. Exactly. And and I think, you know, I think that's the thing about healing. It's, I think a lot of people think that, oh, if I heal, then it's just going to be uh, rainbows and butterflies. No, but it's not. And it's also like you you don't landslide back to where you were. And that's something I had to teach myself because I did also have um, I have this tendency to be all or nothing, black yeah. and white, yes, no, there's no gray area. Yeah. And so I, I think I'm, I, I'm trying to be more aware and more conscious. And I think I am. And I, I notice things that trigger me and I notice my reactions to them now. And they're definitely different and they're definitely changing. And so I think that's a huge victory. Yeah, of course, of course. Any, like the awareness in itself, being aware is a victory. And any other action, any other reaction, any other act that you take to protect yourself and protect your sanity and protect your boundaries and protect your love for yourself is, is, a, is a celebration henceforth. And I think that is also another thing is when, when you start celebrating ourselves and all the small things that we do, um, that is another act of empowerment that a lot of people pass on um, and they just don't see because we've been conditioned that celebrations are the major milestones in life. You know, it's kind of the, the studies, the, the university, the marriage, the kids, the promotion. These are what are worth celebrating. But actually, getting out of bed in the morning and changing out of your pajamas is a celebration in itself. You know? um, waking up without hitting the snooze button is a celebration in itself. Um, and it is those small things and small acts of, of staying on track with, with your mental, emotional, and physical well-being and wellness and happiness. Um, these are the things that we should be aware of and we should really celebrate. I know. And celebrating yourself is such a radical act, isn't it? Like, we should normalize it. It shouldn't be so radical. And I think you know, maybe in society, we've been taught that if we punish ourselves, if we kick ourselves in the butt, if we tell ourselves that we're stupid, we'll do better. And it's the complete opposite, actually. Because exactly. whenever you do kick yourself in the butt, you, you sort of, you don't want to do it anymore. You get depressed. You feel like you're crap and, and you don't want to do it. But if you just celebrate yourself and celebrate the small victories, 
And the more you do, it's really weird, by the way. I mean, I remember when I first started doing it, I was like, what the hell am I doing? But, yeah. but the more I did it, the more comfortable I got. And you know what, Hanan? It's so crazy, actually, because I, I mean, it's one of the things that my therapist told me and she was just like, um, you need to start celebrating your small victories. And I started doing that. And I started doing that by just even recognizing that I exist, like me recognizing that I exist, exactly. which was radical in itself, by just saying good morning to myself every single morning. Yeah. And I remember one time, you know, like this, to me, this was the changing moment of my life. This is when I knew, oh my God, something changed inside me. Something like in the energy changed inside me. My healing is working. All the hard work is finally working. I just remember one day I was getting ready for work and I actually, for the first time, saw myself in the mirror. Like I, I actually saw my eyes, like I made eye contact and I realized that there was someone else on the other end of the mirror. Like I wasn't looking at myself passively and it's so hard to explain, but it was like, I just remember jumping for joy. Like I did a double take and I was like, wait, did I just yeah. see myself? Like I actually saw myself. Like I exist, I'm here. And, and I swear to you, Hanan, like I used to laugh at the people that believed in the secret and the law of attraction. Yeah. <laughs> after, that day, after that day, the things that happened in my life, the opportunities that came to me were ridiculous. Like I, can't, I couldn't even imagine. Because as you said, you, you stopped and you acknowledged your own presence. I've, I've had those moments a few times where, you know, I'm looking in the mirror. You know, you get ready, you, you look in the mirror, you put on makeup and you do all that. Um, and I remember I had one of those moments where I looked and I actually saw myself. And I was like, oh, hello there. You know, I've missed you. I haven't seen you in a long time. And um, I got accustomed as well to... Um, waking up and smiling at myself in the mirror and I, as you said like the first few times I was like okay if anyone sees me I'm like my husband's gonna think I've gone mad which he already knows I have but <laughs> you know that's kind of taking it to the next level but every time I do it I know I'm empowering me and I know that my energy shifts immediately and then I come from a place of service and I come from a place of abundance and I come from a place of happiness and no one can take that away from me. And I think that is exactly. the problem in office, that no one can take away what you feel from you. Exactly. And that's, that's true empowerment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and so you went through that healing journey and that self-discovery in essence. Um, how did you feel that empowered you or how did that reflect on your life, your relationships, your career? Well, it made a huge difference, honestly. I think I wasn't the only one that noticed. Everyone around me was like, Sheikha, you changed. And, and they couldn't pinpoint what it was. Yeah. And it was, it was just my energy. I think like my whole energy just changed. I think I was probably walking around all my life in this this blanket of victimhood mm -hmm. that's all of a sudden was not that anymore yeah and <laughs> i was still a lot of, i was still the therapist to a lot of friends because everyone sort of wanted to know what is the secret sauce like how do you yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i had my boundaries 
And you know what? I still, I still do struggle. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not healed. I don't think anyone reaches the point where they're healed. I think it's, it's a, it is a journey. It is something that you continuously work on, but I've, I've learned to, I've learned my boundaries. I've learned to actually identify what it is that I want to be doing and what is it that I don't want to be doing and putting up boundaries in that way and not feeling guilt about it. Um, my, my, my therapist would tell me, you know, whenever you do something or someone asks you something and you just feel that conflict inside you, ask yourself whether you're doing it out of guilt, obligation, or um, fear. And if it's any of these three things, then you're not doing it for yourself. And so I, I always ask myself that and I'm able to put a boundary and I still feel so guilty putting a boundary. I still do, but I feel better at the end knowing that, you know, I put myself first and especially when it comes with family, because I think in the Arab world, you're taught with your family, you have to do everything and anything like there is no, no. no. Um, and, and putting up boundaries sometimes and just saying, you know what? I can do it at this day, this time, but I can't do it any other time. Or I, I'll sit with you, but I'll sit with you for an hour. And then I just have to like work or go out or do whatever it is. It's just, it makes such a difference because all of a sudden, like you end the day with energy inside you still, and you still feel, you feel like you're living a life that you want to live. And I feel like I have less fear. Um, well, the fear has come back since COVID, but I'm working on it. But I do feel like I'm, I, I'm, I have less fear around things. And it was just this reprogram and reconditioning and of things where, and, and it's crazy because I see now the parts of people that are unhealed. Yeah. I can like see right through them. And I'm just like, oh my God, I wish I could just go in there and, and to help you get, get to the point where I'm at. But I can't. But then the crazy thing is, too, is I recognize old sheikha in people, mm -hmm. like people that are unhe unhealed. Some of their patterns, I can see it. And it's crazy to see that mirror. Yeah. It's, it's shocking. But then it's also it makes me feel like, oh, my God, all I needed to do was a couple of switches. And then that's it. Exactly. Um, I think I think um, the other thing that it's taught me is no is a full sentence. It's taught me that I've been locked into. No, it is. No is a full sentence. It is. I don't have to buy beyond that. Just no. No, because I, I, I used to over-explain. No, yeah. but no, and no, but I'll, you know, and no. If you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. That's you being honest and transparent. And trust me, that's going to save you and everyone else a lot of grief. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. We resonate on so many levels. I'm like, you know, I'm shaking my head here all the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. No, this is good. And I think the other thing that it's taught me too is um, I, I do the things that I want to do and I don't do the things that I don't want to do. Um, and, you know, if I need to take time to myself, I do. Um, I think it's also taught me that it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to go the whole nine yards. Um, and it's taught me that, you know, love comes from me. It doesn't come, I mean, it's nice to get love from other people, but that's sort of the cherry on the cake. It's not, it's not where the source of love should come from. It comes from you. And I still, you know, I still struggle. I still want approval from others. I still want love from others. But I think that if I spend a lot of time with myself, 
I'm able to do it. Um, but yeah, and I've, I've learned, you know, I've learned to take up space. I used yeah. to make myself so invisible. I've yeah. learned to take up space. Can you believe it? Last year was the first year that I fully and unapologetically celebrated my birthday. I let people sing to me. I had six birthday cakes. I had all the candles and I, I just, I had a full birthday week and I've never done that. I've never allowed myself to like, you know, stand there and be noticed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I can do that now. I can, I can stand in my light. I can stand in my presence and say, hi, I'm here. I, I, I think to me that's people to hear this because a lot of, I think everything you're saying is what a lot of women feel. Um, as we were talking just, I think, before the episode, we were talking about, you know, the unlayering of, of so many labels, responsibilities, obligations that we have growing up from, from girls and, and just realizing that you can take up space, you have the right, and you should not feel any shame or guilt related to that, and to fit out as much as you want without feeling like you are abnormal in any way or outrageous in any way. That is a beautiful message. And that is one that we need to keep reminding ourselves of and telling everyone that. And that is the way we should be raising our girls um, to stand up for themselves, to speak their mind, to voice yeah. their concerns, and to go after their dreams, whatever the dream may be. You know, I, I remember growing up, it was like, you know, there were those that, I just want to get married and have kids and stay home. And I used to look at them, like, what's wrong with you? You should always have a career and stuff. But actually now, good for you. If that is your dream and that's how you will be fulfilled, then good for you. You should do whatever you want to do, not what is expected of you and not what you feel obligated to. Exactly. It's the good girl conditioning. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's literally what it is. And now it's like you've, you've woken up and, you know, you sort of want to shed that. I just remember, like, I think in the Arab world, they, for, for females, they, there's a lot of pressure in getting married. It's almost like a milestone that you have to reach. And I just remember, you know, getting so anxious because it was just, it was there in my subconscious. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to reach a certain age. I'm going to be 30 and I'm not going to be married. I'm not going to have a family. I'm a complete failure and all these things. But I mean, I'm 33 now. I'm not married. I have no kids and I'm really happy. Yeah. And it's, it's not like, it's obviously it's still in the back of my mind. Like, obviously I'd still love to be married, but I feel like now I want to be married because I want to be married and not because I feel like I have to take it off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely know what you mean because I I had that those same things. I was um, I graduated quite young, so I graduated from university at twenty. I'm the eldest of four sisters, and of course, as soon as I graduated, everyone started to look at me. Huh? What's happening? You know, <laughs> when are you getting married? And one of my younger sisters, she got engaged before me, and everyone at the engagement party was looking at me like, "So when are you getting engaged?" I'm like. I not now. I'm <laughs> not ready. I don't want to. And uh, you know, I was, I was I was kind of really socially uh, and mentally and emotionally pressured into come on, time, time. You know, the time ticking. Why aren't you like committed? Why aren't you that? And I got married quite young. I got married at 24. And 
in retrospect, and I know my husband and I speak of this, so I, I was 24, he was 28, and we speak of this, we're like, we were very young when we got married, and, you know, that should never be the case for anyone, because you don't know who you are then. You are still yeah. figuring out yourself. You are still figuring out what you want to do with your life, and, and then you're sharing a life with another person, and you're, you're exactly. kind of finding your ways of how do you become compatible, and how do you complement each other but without losing your space both of you as a man and as a woman because you know also for us that men get conditioned in a certain way as well so um it's it's that that's the beautiful thing that now you have found yourself and now you come from a place where you are open to that to sharing and i think i would keep saying now that you know i didn't have that concept of marriage when i first got married but now my concept of marriage is sharing my life with a partner. That exactly. I, now I can, we can share our lives together rather than you're letting me into yours or I'm letting you into mine. And, you know, we have to battle. We have to battle each other for the space. You're my soul. It's none of that. It's none of that. And it's crazy, you know, I think when I was, when I was little, you know, I had this goal uh, by 25, I'm going to be married. Yeah. And I, Back now, I'm like, I don't know who the hell I was at 25, but there was no way I could have been a wife or a mother at 25. No way. Like, I think I would have been under a lot of pressure to do that. And like, honestly, kudos to a lot of women that have gotten married young because that's really, really rough and hard. And it's, it takes a lot. And I think it, you know, once you hit your 30s, that's when you start really looking at yourself. And you start really figuring out what it is that you want to do. Um, and so it's, it's a lot of emotional, it's a lot of emotions and, and, and growth and evolutions that happen between your 20s and 30s. And to add marriage to the mix too, it's, it's a lot. And so I think, you know, for people that get married young, like that's, that's really amazing to be able to do that and get through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is a continuation. We're going to continue this with our next question, as in from where you stand now, what advice would you impart on your 20-year-old self? Ooh, what would I give? <laughs> okay, what would I tell my 20-year-old self? Um, I would tell my 20-year-old self that um, I am deserving and I am worthy of being seen and being loved and and um, being um, a functioning and contributing person in life. Um, I would tell my 20-year-old self that, um, you know, the things that I was feeling were not just things that were sort of made up in my mind. They were there, and they were there for a reason, and I probably needed to spend a bit more time looking at it. Um, and I would tell my 20-year-old self to not be afraid to ask for help, um, whether it's from friends, family, or whoever else, the community around me to ask for help, and to not be such a perfectionist all the time, and sort of, you know, be able to um, loosen up and not take things as seriously. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So we put you in a, or you, you have a future time capsule. What would your aspire that you're, 90 year old self thank you for my 90 year old self say to me now yeah oh okay <laughs> wow 
Um, I think I would probably tell myself that, oh God, now I have to really take my own advice. But I think I tell myself um, that, you know, you living, like you're not here to live a life to only work. Mm-hmm. You're here to live a life for other things. Um, and I think, I think one thing I'm struggling with now is that work-life balance and that boundary. And um, it's, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm working through not being defined by just work, but by other things. And so I think I definitely, looking back at this time, that's what I would tell myself. So you would thank yourself for finding that, that boundary and, and sticking to it so you can grow beyond just, or define yourself beyond just the, the, your career. Exactly. That would be nice. So this is our final question. You're on a stage and you're summing up a powerful, empowered to grow speech to an audience of tens of thousands of women. What would be that statement that you will leave them with? That wrap up statement. on. Pardon? I said that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, it's an aspiration. What would I leave them with? Um, what would I leave them with? Um, I think what I would want to tell them is that all of us within, all of us inside um, have power. Mm-hmm. We, we can stand on our two, own two feet um, and we are able to um, uh, ask for what it is that we want, live a life that we want um, and, and be seen and be heard in the way that we want. And all that takes is a bit of re, I hate this word, but reprogramming yeah. and looking at life at a different, from a different way looking at all the programs, looking at all the habits, look at all the societal rules that have been imposed on us and just asking the opposite. Like, why not? Like, why can't I not do this? Um, And programming is the reconditioning. If you don't like reconditioning. Yeah. Well, they're both the same because I feel like I'm a a rap lab. But (laughs) But conditioning is a bit softer. I heard myself to say rab lat say lab rat. <laughs> but yeah, but no, no, I mean, I, they both, they're both the same, but essentially it's what it is, right? It's, it's saying it's, you're in the, you're in the matrix essentially is what it is. And you sort of have to break free and it's, it's really rough to break free. Cause when you do, you're sort of that pariah, you're like that crazy person. You're that Jim Carrey and Keanu Reeves, which I'm one of them now. But, but you sort of look at life and you're just like, why? Yeah. Like, who's, who put these rules down and, and why? So, yeah, so I think what I would do is, is, is I, would, I would tell them that. And, and you know, it's the, it's the conditioning that they sort of have to work through and, and the power is within them. And I think if they're able to see themselves for who they are, stand in their power as, as just individuals, they'll be able to really live a life that is fulfilling to them. I love that. Well, where can our listeners find you in the virtual space? Jeez. <laughs> um, well, I'm pretty anonymous. <laughs> in virtual space. <laughs> I hide from my brother. 
your um, your business account? Yeah, I mean they can. I mean they can find me on Instagram if they want. Um, it's sfalthani underscore. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna include them in the in the show notes anyway, so maybe yeah, so people can connect if they wanna kind of for the ladies who wanna say thank you for your message or you know what we can work through this together or you know create the the tribe the, the empowering tribe which which is my aim anyway with the show that um, yeah. messages across to as many women as possible and that together we create an empowerment tribe, um, not out of riot, not out of anger, but out of love and out of um, service to ourselves and to others, just to ensure that, you know, um, we come from a place where we believe in ourselves, believe in our potential, and are able to stand our ground in that sense from a place of love. Exactly. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I loved our discussion, and it, you know, kind of we expanded into so many areas, which which is amazing because, um, as I told you, that was the essence of what I wanted to capture. I wanted to capture these enticing conversations with beautiful women and beautiful spirits and to be able to pass on the message to others who listen to us. So thank you for sharing your energy and your pearls of wisdom with us today. Hanan, thank you so much. This was so enriching to be on your show. Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, love, abundance, and prosperity to you all. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.